Our scripture lesson today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 23 through 32. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the crowd. For all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. And he continued, what do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go work in the vineyard today. The son answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and merciful God, I pray that you would be with us this day, this blessed community together, and in remembrance of the community in all time and place that worships and speaks your name and calls out to you and sits and stands at table together. I pray that in this time, as I speak, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In the name of our Savior and your Son, Jesus Christ, Amen. When Jesus entered the temple, it says, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to Jesus as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? So before we discuss our authority issues, or maybe as a means to discuss discussing them, I thought we might want to take a look at what these things that they are referring to are. And while we could go back all the way to the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, we'll go back instead just to the beginning of of the end, the beginning of chapter 21. 
Because in this chapter, we, we experience Jesus' triumphal procession into Jerusalem. This is the Palm Sunday story that you're, you're familiar with. He sent out his disciples to go get a, a donkey or a donkey and a colt, like it says in Matthew. And then he rides this donkey in sort of an ironic processional into Jerusalem where people throw their cloaks down, place palms down, and shout out in the streets, Hosanna! Save us. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Crowds recognizing Jesus' authority there. Jesus is a prophet. Son of David. A savior. The question, who is this, and the way it is being answered, sets the city into turmoil. And upon Jesus' arrival, he enters the temple, at which point he cleanses it, overturning the tables of the the money changers and the seats of the dove sellers and making the accusation based in Scripture, you have turned this house of prayer into a den of robbers. So basically making friends like he usually does. In that same space, he, he cures the blind and heals the lame. And the children cry out, Hosanna to the Son of David. And it is at this point that Matthew's Gospel says, they got angry when they heard the children shouting to Jesus in recognition of who he is and who he might be. And then there's this really weird story about a fig tree that gets cursed by Jesus, which I'm just going to say this, I'm thankful it wasn't the lectionary text for this day. But all that is to say that there is a back and forth where Jesus has exercised authority that has been given to him not by the state or even by his his religious elders, but that comes from God and comes from folks below And it comes into conflict with these folks above. Jesus is causing a commotion and his actions, which prompt worship and cries for salvation and cries of excitement and, yes, even hope. For some, these are a cause for major concern. Namely, the religious leaders of the time who are tasked with, and this is not a small task, keeping the peace. It was seen as some as a, as a necessary uh, evil to be in cahoots with the Roman authorities so that the people, their people, would not suffer at, the, at Rome's hands. They had to have a give and take with empire. But Jesus, when Jesus came through, he is calling with his authority, he is calling their authority into question because he is showing that their authority comes not necessarily from God, but from Rome. From stories like this one, we, we see that, indeed, the pastoral is political. Jesus' actions, the way he moves with authority, is political, not because he chooses a political side, he does not, but because in choosing God's side, He holds up a mirror to those in power and before all who are not. Uh, 
Biblical scholar uh, and especially scholar of the parables, Robert Kappen writes, It is Jesus' very authority, his uh, exousia in Greek, that is the cause of the urgency with which the ruling class now moves to do him in. Between the fear that Jesus will upset their political balancing act with Rome and the resentment they feel at his attacks on themselves, they decide that his, to them, pretense of exousia, of authority, has to be stopped forthwith. And so they ask the question, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? They're trying to, to trap him, but Jesus, in, uh, in the way that Jesus does, he does not actually answer their question. He dodges and parries and gives it right back to them. He says to them, okay, well, I'll ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will tell you what authority I have to do these things. And then he takes it back to John the Baptist, who has who is dead at this point. And so it's sort of a, a living, uh, or, or a dead legend, I should say. He is a legend. Um, did the baptism of John, he says, come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And then they go off and they argue with one another. If, okay, if we say it's from heaven... Then he'll say, well, then why didn't you believe him and follow accordingly? And, and then they think, well, if we say it's, it's of human origin, we're really afraid of the crowd. Because John had a lot of followers, and now Jesus, um, in John's footsteps, has these same followers. So they're, they're nervous about, about the crowd. So instead, they, they calculate the, co- the cost of their answers on both sides, and they decide not to answer the question at all. We don't know, they say, choosing the safest answer and showing that they have given their authority to the empire and to self-preservation and not to the pursuit of truth. Yes, the, the pastoral is inevitably political because it speaks to every realm that Jesus enters. And so this, this invites us then to think about to whom or to what we give authority, because it, again, authority is something that, that's given to something or someone. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But it's not just that the pastoral is political. It's into this political world that uh, Jesus brings the pastoral what they perceive of as, and they're also contributing to making political, is indeed an opportunity for Jesus to be invitational, to be pastoral with them. In the story, Jesus shifts the narrative by way of a parable. What do you think, he says? A man had two sons, and he, he goes to the first and says, Son, go in the work in the vineyard today. And, and the son says, I will not. But later he changes his mind and goes. Then he goes, the father goes to the second son and says the same. And, and the second son says, I will go. And the, then he, he doesn't. So Jesus says, which of the two did the will of his father? And of course, the chief priests and the elders of the people say the first. I have said in like every sermon I've preached for the last year, I think, that, that Jesus 
is uh, Jesus' words and actions are challenge, and they are also invitation. So here, here's the first piece of that. Jesus is saying that, that we can still, and the, and the chief priests and the elders, we can, we can still, like that first son, make a different choice than the choice we have been making about who we give authority to. We can realign our devotion. We can ask ourselves questions about how authority is borne out in our lives. For me, the first example is always like children. And sometimes we talk about this in terms of idolatry, how children, we can, children can be our idols. How much do we give our power and authority over to them? When um, I was in the earlier stages of parenting, now I'm in the like early mid stages. But when I was in the earlier stages, I came here, we, we had here Kirk Martin, and I've mentioned him in sermons before, and he talks about calm parenting. And he will say to uh, two siblings who are fighting, uh, why are you letting him take all your power? Why are you giving him all this authority over you? So I tried to set that into practice with my own children, and then shortly thereafter realized that, huh, boy, I'm giving my power away to a lot of things and a lot of people. Um, I have some more to think about. Some of us give power and authority to our, our, our family image of who we are and what we should be, instead of, who God calls us to be. Some of us give authority and power to our addictions, to prestige, to wealth, to security, to being right. And then there are a whole lot of narratives of power and authority we put on other people. Maybe those are stories for another time. Jesus' words in this place remind us in a time of division, real and perceived, that minds can be changed and hearts, even ours, can be unhardened. Challenge and invitation. Realigning our giving of authority to where it belongs. And when we give our authority to the God above, to God above all things, that will lead us in turn to greater faithfulness in service to the world, in service to our nation, in service to our communities, our family, ourselves, with truth and love and real abiding hope. Because we can change and we can be transformed because of Jesus Christ. The second pastoral piece is this, this, final, um, this, final, this final part. Jesus says to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom ahead of you. Yeah, I'm just going to stop right there. They're going into the kingdom ahead of you. In this passage, Jesus does not say, and you are not. Jesus says, they're going into the kingdom ahead of you. The ordering of who gets where when might be in question, but at least in this passage, the entering is not, and that is good, good news. 
Jesus, the one who said the first shall be last and the last shall be first in entering the kingdom of heaven, here says, but all are welcome. Challenge and invitation. This is the same invitation that ultimately will bring us with people of, of the world to the table. And this table is big. Big enough for Jesus and his friends that on the night that he was betrayed, he ate dinner, as I talked to the second graders during their Milestones of Faith class on communion, and some of whom will be leading communion in just a minute, uh, he, he eats at the table with people who, who love him and people who will betray him, and some of them are both. Maybe all. Jesus welcomes them to a table that is big enough. And it is only when we are at the table and acknowledge all the ways in which other people are alongside of us. And we hear the voices from other communities and other peoples and how they are experiencing God in their own lives. It's only then that we catch an even bigger glimpse of the kingdom that God is inviting us all to. So I'll end with this. On this World Communion Sunday, may our hearts, our words, our actions draw us closer to God, the host, and draw us nearer to those who God welcomes to the table, that is to say, to all the world, to the saints, as we say in the liturgy of every time and every place. May we meet with them at the table broken and blessed as we are broken and blessed as they are at the table singing songs of Jesus Christ, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Savior of the whole world, host of this table. This table in a world that still needs tables to be overturned. In a world where we are in constant need of of repentance and reminding and understanding. In a world where there are too many tables that are empty from hunger and loss and hearts that are too hardened to put another leaf in. Jesus challenges us to come to this table giving authority to God alone that we might be turned, transformed together, the whole body of Christ in all the world. So we pray together, saying, All honor and power and glory be to God and God alone, this day and every day. Let us meet at the table. Amen.